What a week. What a busy last 10 days, huh? Ah, an alert goes out at a high school like that. It seems as if it touches all of us in some way, doesn't it? Even though we may be 100 miles away. And as we look at uh, what happened on Valentine's Day, why don't you notice these pictures? Here it is in Parkland, Florida, outside the high school. Students are leaving, getting away. And this is the reaction. A reaction of all of us, I believe, huh? We look at that. It reminds me of not too long ago, Sandy Hook, where we had a disaster there. That was only five years ago, a little over five years ago. Same type of look. Didn't you see that? And then the first one that I really recall of anything is at Columbine, and that's because my uh, children of one of my niece, uh, nieces, is they uh, attended there at the high school. And um, now you look at that, it was 18 years ago. Same sort of thing, do you see that? Same sort of thing, same sort of look, same sort of fear on people's faces. And the question that we might ask is, well, what in the world's going on? What in the world is going on? Well, I was looking at uh, some of the things Jesus said when he was um, talking in Matthew 24. Just a little bit, he said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. He's talking about what would be towards the end of time and going. That kind of thing came up on this last Wednesday or whatever it was. They had a town hall on CNN and the emotional distress and division and all that that took place was amazing. If you saw that. Uh, Not too long ago, uh, we had here at our church, we hosted an active shooter training program because of the shootings that are taking place. And I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, I never thought in all of my ministry that I would be hosting an active shooter training program. But we are deeply concerned about our safety, your safety and mine. As I stand up here, I become a little easier target. Um, But the realities are, we all are. So, on March 24th, on March 24th, we're going to have a safety Sabbath here. We're doing it all across North America. And um, safety Sabbath, please mark your calendars to be here so we can all work together on that, would you? Because we're going to that day, yes, we'll have our worship service and so forth, but we're going to talk a little bit how we can uh, know what to do in a time of crisis as a congregation. And it's important for you and it's important for your children and important for all of us to um, be prepared. I can't believe we actually do that, but it is important that we do.
So this morning, in that regard, would you open your Bible to John 13? John 13. And I'd like for us to look at a particular passage of Scripture, which we often don't associate it with the time in which it really is. This particular passage that we're going to look at happened in the upper room. This was the last supper before Jesus was taken and crucified. And these are the last words that Jesus gives to his disciples before he goes out. And they go out to the garden where he is arrested. So you get the context that this was a very intense thing that was going on. The reality is that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to take place. He had watched that moving and that taking place. He knew that the cross had come. He knew exactly what was being planned. And now he is gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And it's one of the most serious events that have happened. We do know that by this time that Jesus spoke, that Judas had already gone out to do his deed. He'd already left. And now Jesus gives these words. Are you with me? In chapter 13 of John It'd be on page 751 if you have one. And John, we go, my children, he said, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I have told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And Simon Peter jumps right in, as he usually did, till after his conversion and his element, he went, said, well, Lord, where are you going? He wanted to know. I can just see him saying this. And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. First way we could concern, and maybe there's meaning that he was meaning, eventually you will be in heaven with me. That would be a very positive thing that he would give to all believers. If you follow me, we will take you to heaven someday. And Jesus knew that he would be resurrecting and going to heaven So then the second way, meaning that Peter would be crucified just as Jesus was crucified and he could look down through time and see that event that happened. You recall that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way the Lord was. But he didn't know that at the time. So Peter goes on and he asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you, he said. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Will you now really lay down your life for me, Peter? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You know, that was really tough talk for Peter. Where he was boastful. He knew, I'll lay down, I'll do things. I even remember when he came to the garden, and they were in the garden, and they came up to arrest Jesus. He pulled out his sword to defend Remember that? So, he was sincere. (laughs) He was sincere. And Jesus' words as he talked to him about them disowning him must have pierced his heart and been incredibly painful for him. Because, you see, Peter is going to have one of the toughest nights he ever had in his life in just a short time. Because he did deny the Lord, as you know the story. Now, We have a division of our chapters right there. But the story still continues on the same place going on. Would you please now look in chapter 14? Just keep right there. We're going to go right up into 14. 
It's still in the same place. Still things are happening. Still things are going on. And did, would you notice this? And Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I know that in a few hours, less than 24, I'm going to be hanging on a cross. And you're going to be scattered like children. And you're going to be going in many different directions. And I know what's going to happen. And Jesus offers to him, do not let your heart be troubled. What? (laughs) I mean, come on. Of course your heart would be troubled, wouldn't it? I'd be just as distraught as any of those disciples. If I'd been in the upper room, if I had followed the Lord, following, and now they're taking him captive, and they take him in and have a monkey trial thing with him. It's kangaroo court in there, and here we're going on, on things. And he turns to me on this hour, and he says, what's coming up? He knows what's coming up. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. For you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Prepare a place for who? All of us. Going to prepare a place for you, he told his disciples. Because in the next couple days, you are going to think everything is over. That this troubled heart that you're carrying and you're going to have and the adventures you're going to have, you're going to find out very quickly what I'm talking about and I'm calling upon you to believe in me. Believe me. Verse 3, and I go, and if I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come back. And take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. That's the answer, Peter. I will come back. (laughs) And then Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas responds right away, oh, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? <laughs> we, where in the world? You haven't told us where you're going. He'd been trying to tell them, hadn't he? If you know the story, he'd been, following, he'd been trying to tell them, trying to share with them where he's going. But now Thomas says, well, yeah, I appreciate Thomas. When I get to heaven and I see Thomas, I'm going to thank him for that and for his statement at the end where he says, unless I see the nail prints in the hands, and I will not believe. And when he saw the Lord, he strengthened my faith. I'm going to tell him, thank you very much for being a doubter because it strengthened my faith. And I'm going to give him a big hug or whatever is appropriate. So he asked him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And Jesus answered, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. That is the way to heaven. It's through Jesus' love. That's the way. And he goes on, verse 7, 
If you really know me, you will know that my father is well. For now on, you do know him and who have seen him. And then Philip says, well, well, Philip comes up and he asks the question. So, Lord, please show us the father and we that will be enough for us. That will be enough. And way to go, Philip. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Did you see that? If you see Jesus, understand Jesus, you're looking at the Father as well. Because we worship one God. One God. If you see that, you see that grouping of the Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. You see one, you see them all. Because Jesus was completely consistent with the Father. So, how can you ask, show us the Father? You misunderstand my role, Philip. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and The words that I say to you, I do not speak my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I tell you and say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And when he performed everything that they had seen, including the raising of Lazarus, doesn't that indicate to you something? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, would you please watch this? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. They will do greater things than this. He was speaking and sharing with them what was going to happen at Pentecost. And that the Spirit of God would be poured out on them. That was the meaning of that. And talking about greater things you will see. When all of you will have the Holy Spirit poured out on you. All of you. And then he goes on. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. And I We'll do it. It's amazing what that would be including. Submitting to the will of God. You will know where God is leading. If you ask, God will do that. Asking that. So how did that roll out? So would you look at Acts chapter 3? I'm going to read it to you as it's here in my Bible. I want to just share. You just follow the story along, would you? Just follow the story along just a bit. One day, I'm in chapter 3 of Acts. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, um, this story happened not too far after the uh, Pentecost. So they're going, they're bold now. Peter and John are bold. They're not hiding in the upper room anymore. Because the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them and they're bold. 
And so now a man was there, was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And where he was putting every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Alms for the poor. Reach out. Alms for the poor. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Do you see? Jesus said you will see greater things. See? That's what Jesus was telling them at the upper room. And this is Peter. This is Peter doing it. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet after being a cripple all of his life. And he began to walk. And then they went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who had been sitting out begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It picked up Jesus' ministry, you see. Carried on. So, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. That's hard to do when you're standing outside Stoneham High School. Isn't that true? And it's hard to do when you're living in a world where I have to have a safety Sabbath. I want you to catch this. This is the one thing I want you to take out today, coming up. Jesus lovingly Embraced the cross. Jesus lovingly embraced the cross. Because you were worth it. See, Jesus knows the solutions to our troubled hearts. He knows. He knows what it would be. He knows how it would work. He knows the end from the beginning. And as I was thinking over what had taken place over there in Parkland and other places and our training and our things that are going on and all happening, my heart is troubled. And I think, but Jesus is the solution to our world Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I know there are things that will be done to try to protect us, our politicians or our leaders or 
our law enforcement and everything, and I appreciate everything they try to do to protect us, and I think it's important that we get ready and so forth. It ultimately, ultimately, the solution to the problem of this world lies in Jesus. And if you read the New Testament and the words of Jesus, you know this world does not get better. And that's sobering because I used to think 20 years ago, this is as bad as it could be. But now look at it. So last week we learned something, didn't we? You're here. Do you remember? Jesus, full stop. All, full stop. Remember that? Help me. Jesus, full stop. All, full stop. Just like it means in telegraph office when you say full stop, that means that's the end of that sentence. It's the thing. It's all contained there. It's at the end. Not just a period, but it's all there. So we say Jesus, all stop because it's all him. And all, there's nothing more to the solutions of this world, to your life, to mine, to the community around us, that is outside of Jesus, all, full stop. Therefore, we have a sacred responsibility to our family, to our community, to our own hearts, that we find the answer to what's going on in our world lies in I am the way, the truth and the life. I came that you might have life more abundantly. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the story and the things that you shared. Lord, it's amazing as you stood in that, uh, sat with the disciples in the upper room, as you talked with Peter and with Thomas and with Philip and with the others, And you encouraged them that even in what was going to be happening in the next 48, 36 hours, what was going to take place in their lives, the shock of it all, you offered to them, let not your heart be troubled. Because as you see through the troubles that this world brings, there is a place, there are rooms, there are mansions, there are places that he is preparing for all of us who love him. I thank you, Lord, for opening that door, that thought. I thank you for the discussion that took place that evening so long ago. And today, we say, Jesus, full stop. All full stop. To your glory. Amen.